you're here today. You know why I think it's good you're here today? I don't know whether Ben said this at the beginning. Oh, thank you. Good man. Did you say at the beginning of this service what you said? Okay. What Ben said at the beginning of the first service, I had to be out, I'm afraid, uh, was very simply this. Uh, you could all be doing a whole lot of other things. Right? Beautiful sunny day. I could probably name five things like boom, 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 boom that we all could all be doing, right? Working in our gardens and lying in the sun. On, 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 on. You know why I think it's really cool and significant that you're here, though? It's not just because you want to be with God, and I assume you do. You want to hear from God, like hopefully you will now. You want to praise God and so forth. What's really cool is that God wants to be with you. And I just have this deep conviction that worship is one of those things that, that God, he gets up on a Sunday morning. You know, you know what I mean by that, right? And he goes, today's the day. I get to hang with my kids. I get to be with them. I get to speak to them, hopefully through the, the book. <laughs> And uh, my servant, I get, them, I get to hear them sing their heart of love into my ears. I just get to be with them. And I'm just convinced God looks forward to this time, and he finds great joy in people who want to be with him. So I hope today you hear from God, and I hope that you've had opportunity to communicate with God through your singing. But I hope you know how much... God enjoys being with you. And, uh, and just let that sink in, okay? Just let it sink in. Because I, I, it's true. It's absolutely true. Let me pray, and we'll begin. Gracious God, you are uh, an incredible God. You're a God who um, has the capacity to meet with us here by your Spirit and do so simultaneously all over the world. <laughs> um. You're a God who, yes, comes to us that we might praise you and honor you, uh, that, Lord, we might uh, uh, hear from you. But, God, you come here in this place. You join us by your Spirit as we invite you here. And you come just because you love us and you want to be with us, too. And, Father, we would pray that as we spend some time in the Bible, your word, that we would hear from you, that we would encounter you again. We would have a deep sense that we have been in the presence of a God who delights in being in the presence of his people. So join us here and now, especially at this time, Lord, and communicate yourself, your heart, to us. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm going to start a series today that will last for about a month. And I want to suggest that at first blush... Um, a lot of you, upon hearing in a minute what this series is about, will probably, you know, just think, well, nothing new, no big deal. Um, even may, might think that the next four Sundays in church might be a little bit boring and snoozeworthy. Um, because what I'm going to talk about, a lot of you I know have heard all your life. And even if you're kind of newer to the church, you've probably heard this statement, you've been confronted with this thought on several occasions already. There's nothing earth-shattering about it, some might say. But I want to suggest to you that if God takes the truth of this book in this particular way and deeply uh, speaks it into your life, it will uh, not only bless your life, it will change your life. I'm convinced of it. And here's the truth. You ready? We should have a drum roll. Thank you, thank you. No drums, but that'll do. Here it is. God loves you. 
God loves you. Like he really loves you. I don't know how you respond to that. No one's yawning yet. I'm glad. It's early, but it's yawning. But isn't that the the kind of thing you've heard many of you in church (laughs) for years and years and years? Isn't that the kind of thing, even you have just a cursory understanding of what Christianity is about, you know to be true? See, my assumption is that a lot of people will say, yeah, Chris, we know that. You know, I, I know what Jesus did on the cross. I know the sacrifice he made for my life. I agree. I know God loves me. Tell me something new. Um, but, but my question essentially in this series is, or my thought is, I'd like you to think for the next month or so, how much has that knowledge impacted my life? Because I say to you again, when we really grapple with it, when we really embrace it, when we really take it to heart, it, it can transform a human life. It does, by definition. My thought is that for a lot of people, that hasn't necessarily been the case. I think propositionally we know it to be true. It's a proposition. God loves us. But at the depth of our being, have we let it transform us? And that, my friends, is what this series is about. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 19. Foundational uh, verses for what we're going to talk about. Paul, uh, who has started this, uh, uh, these churches in Ephesus, actually, it's a region, and um, has pastored there, has moved along, and he's writing a letter to the church that he loves, and he, and he prays two things for them. Note the two prayers, and then we'll, we'll dig into the second one in particular. It says this. <clears throat> for this reason, I kneel before the Father. Now, here's the great apostle Paul, the leader of the church in the Gentile or non-Jewish world, he is kneeling before God. What's he going to ask of God for his people? From whom his whole family in heaven earth and earth derives its name. <clears throat> I pray that out of his glorious riches, riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, deep inside, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now that's prayer number one. You hear the prayer? Paul is passionate that the people that he has come to know, the people that he loves, the people that form this Ephesian um, uh, church, that they come to that place where Christ little, literally dwells in their heart through faith. We know what it's about. I hope you know what it's about, that it's possible for human beings to come to the point of believing in Jesus, to the point of opening up their hearts to Christ, asking the Lord Jesus to forgive their sin, inviting him in, welcoming him, so that literally... He dwells in our hearts by faith. He's here. What Paul first prays is, I want a very intimate, personal relationship between you, my people, (laughs) my, my congregation whom I love, and the living Lord Jesus. That's the beginning point. That's kind of the the heart of the evangelist in Paul. But then he goes on to pray something else. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, now there it is again, remember earlier, strength and now power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and and deep is the love of Christ. There's this dimensional reality that Paul's talking about, the the width, the length, the height, the depth. He's saying, I want you to know the love of, of, of the Lord Jesus and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. That's an interesting phrase. How can you know something you can't know? 
Well, we begin to know it. We step into it, and then it increases and grows. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, I don't know whether you just kind of blew me off in that last little, little uh, phrase, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Think about that. Who wants to be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, that, 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 that God would be so much in us and part of us that he just oozes from our pores, that he would fill us up with his being and that we would know his presence. See, these are remarkable prayers that Paul has prayed, and we are going to focus in on the second one. I want you to grasp and understand this very thing, that the fullness of God in our lives comes when we understand and grasp, as Paul's words, the magnitude of the love of God. You get that? Once we figure out at a deep and, and a profound level that God loves us as he does, all of a sudden God comes alive and he fills our lives and our being and we are transformed and we are changed. Question for you is how much have you grasped the love of God in Christ? How much have you? Here's, here's the potential and that's why I started the way I started. That you, Oh yeah, I got it. I got that one figured out. Yeah, I'm fine, Chris. See you in five weeks. <laughs> Next Sunday, I will be doing something else, right? I'm telling you, my friends, I, I honestly believe with all of my heart, it comes from experience both in my own life, it comes from my experience in a lot of ministry with people over a lot of years. We understand this thing propositionally. We have not really encountered and experienced and often been transformed by grasping the love of God in Christ. It's in our heads. And sometimes it just sits there and stays there. Sometimes... The, the, the understanding, the grasping of Christians in terms of the love of God is, is really limited. Can I say truncated? I like that word for some reason. It's truncated. It's just small. So what I've done is, is uh, I want to I represent through various means the potential of how much you and I have grasped the love of God. This is a golf ball, as you know. Um, I would have gotten something even smaller if I thought you could have seen it. But sometimes, you know, our understanding of the love of God is this big. I'm not talking about the size of the love of God. I'm talking about our understanding of it. You know, um, <clears throat> maybe we haven't heard much about the fact that God loves us. There could be people here who don't have much background in faith. I actually hope there are so that you can come and learn about faith, right? That would be awesome. Um, and, and, and there's just not much sense of, of, of God's love for me. You know, we, we have maybe experienced the love of God in, and we, we have maybe experienced love in other contexts. Maybe, maybe we were one of those people who had fabulous parents who deeply loved us and lived consistently out of that love. I know not everybody, just maybe um, you're one of those people and you've had parents who've poured their, themselves into you. They've sacrificed themselves. They've prioritized you and your needs and they have just shown you love. You get that, right? Maybe you're in a marriage, and I know not everybody is, unfortunately, but maybe you're in a marriage, and, and you're married to somebody who really, really loves you, and they're good to you. Maybe you're in a relationship, you know, where people um, have been faithful to you. Maybe you're in a relationship when they've been good to you, even when you haven't deserved it. Maybe you're in a relationship where you see your spouse sacrificing for you over and over again. Like, it could be that you're in a relationship, and you, you get love from that perspective. Maybe you're a parent, and you get love from that like that's a unique and powerful love isn't it you know you step into that relationship when a child is born like instantly and love is there you get that maybe you're all over love from other perspectives but 
God loving me like that or any way close to that? Golf ball size. And people who are new to the faith, that would be understandable because, you know, maybe they haven't quite gotten to know God yet and encountered his love, but sometimes propositional Christians don't go much beyond that. But you know what Paul prays for you? That you would grasp and deepen in your understanding and be transformed by a knowledge of the love of God. So, there's the golf ball. You probably haven't even noticed this here. Well, maybe you have, I don't know. This is, this is kind of baseball size, softball. It's a little basketball, actually. But, you know, it's a bit bigger, you know? There could be people here who's, whose understanding of, of God's love has grown somewhat over the last little while or, or certainly in their lives. Maybe, maybe you've become a Christian and you've read the Bible and, and you know, the Bible says God uh, loves you and, and you've been taught it by other, other, other Christians. And, and the width and the, light, the, the length and the height and depth, and I know those four dimensions don't quite work here, but that's beside the point. Um, it's growing. You've gone from golf ball to softball, and you're beginning to get it. It's kind of expanding. Um, You know, you've been taught about Jesus dying on the cross for you. You've been taught about a God who cared enough about you to come to earth and hang on a cross and take your penalty to yourself so that you could be forgiven. You know, that's what the gospel is. That's the story of Jesus. And And he calls us into relationship with him, God does because of what Christ is doing. You've seen a God prioritize your interests and you're beginning to let this expand. You're beginning to get it just a little bit bit more. Um, Maybe you've gone a little bit beyond that and uh, move over here to my lovely polka-dotted beach ball. And your, your understanding is growing even greater. You know, it's like Paul prayed for you and something's happening. You know, you've come to that place where You've seen God at work in your life, probably through difficult times. You've seen God show up. <laughs> and now you're beginning to really understand it. You know, I, I heard someone say not that long ago, there's, there are a lot of Christians who believe things that are true, but they're not actually convinced that they're real. Um, but you're coming to a place, you're beginning to think like, this is real. <laughs> like, God really does love me. It's not just something the Bible says. It's not just something that, you know, some, some children's ministry teacher or youth pastor once told me or my pastor once said in a Sunday. No, this is real. And the, the width and the length and the height and the depth is getting bigger. Well, you could be one of those people who have lived in this relationship with God and you have encountered this love so many times that this is what it looks like now, right? It's getting bigger, wider, lo- uh, longer, higher. And you're coming to a place where you sit back and you go, you know what, this is amazing. Because understanding of, of, of the love of God has grown to the point that you stand back and go, wow. Wow. See, my question for you this morning is, where are you? At what point is your grasping capacity of this truth? At what point do you deeply understand the fact that God loves you? Like, really loves you even more than your parent ever did even more than your spouse ever has even more than you have loved your child and you might think come on chris yeah i'm saying way more because god is god and his love for you is infinite where yet golf ball softball beach ball or very big (laughs) 
You know what Paul prays wherever you're at? He prays that that understanding will develop and deepen and grow even further. And it's, it's, it's part of a journey. It's part of an experience of God that can really um, uh, transform. I want you to understand we are not talking about the love of God growing. It doesn't need to grow. It is huge. I mean, if you were taking actually the love of God and you were to, I know we're changing just a little bit here, but you take the beach ball, it's that big. I would say, stop thinking about that. You know what I really thought would be very cool if we brought one of those big plastic balls in that people walk inside of? Wouldn't that be cool? But even put that out of your mind, that was probably seven, eight foot tall. You know what I want you to think about in terms of the actual love of God for you? I want to think size of earth. No, 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 that's not big enough. Let's think size of sun. You see where I'm going? There is no limitation to the love of God. God's love for you is infinite. It is huge. It is massive. It's not even questionable from a biblical point of view. God loves you immensely. I don't know what's going on inside you. I hope there's a little happy dance beginning to happen, right? Because there should be a happy dance beginning to happen. This is an incredible reality. It's an incredible thought, but sometimes we don't grapple with it. Sometimes we don't grasp it which is of course why paul prayed did i actually do a little happy dance there john is that where you're laughing no i'll i'll find out later see it's not about the it's not about the the love of god in terms of how big it is it is huge it is about our capacity now listen i want to tell you there are some things that work that are at work in the human psyche soul that often keep our understanding of uh, the love of God about this size. I think human nature predisposes us to have a limited grasp of the love of God. Um, and, and there's something in us that keeps us even from accepting it when we are presented with it. I want you to watch for this over the course of these weeks. Because I have a pretty deep conviction that you might not do this physically, but when I say some things that come from the Bible, some of you are going to inside do this straight arm <laughs> saw a rugby game the other day the straight arms that were flying and people going craziness that's a crazy game by the way but that's what we do when often we're told about the love of god we straight arm it we push against it we resist it and i want to tell you paul gets on his knees in the presence of god and he prays god father in heaven reveal this to these people whom i love teach it to them i want them to know it they need to know it. It's incredibly important that they know it. See, we struggle to believe, we resist. A couple of reasons. One is, um, sometimes we just don't think we're worthy of it. Have you ever felt that? Of anybody's love, for that matter, let alone God's? Sometimes, you know, we think, you know, I'm just of little consequence to God. I can kind of buy into the idea that he's smart enough to know I exist and he knows about my life. But that kind of love? And, and a lot of people kind of, you know, want to process that and, and, and they want to figure it out. They, they, they come to this thought and, and, and so often is, you know, but God really knows me and he knows my sin and he knows my failure and he knows my brokenness and he knows that I'm not good enough for that I want to tell you, my friends, that's human thinking. It's not God's thinking. And when you apply that thinking to God, you're making a huge mistake, which takes you from truth into the lie. Because God loves you regardless. 
regardless. And I want to tell you, um, there are, I'm sure, some people who are going to hear of the immensity of this love and they res- they're going to resist it and they might even refuse to believe it in spite of what the Bible says. Can I ask you to not let that be you? Don't let it happen. Don't resist, don't fight, although it'll be natural to do so. Can I ask you to seek understanding that you might grasp and believe the truth of the Word of God? And the Word of God is clear. God's crazy about you. Like, He really is. He thinks you're awesome. He loves you. Second reason sometimes we resist these these, uh, truths, this reality, um, is because of our belief about God. Um, and again, I'm not talking about propositional truth. If I met with probably 95% of you out in the atrium for coffee afterwards, and I just said, do you think the Lord loves you? What would you all say? Yes. I think the large majority of people would say, yeah. I'm not talking about propositional truth. I'm not talking about what you were once taught as a child or you were once taught in church a long time ago. I'm talking about deep core beliefs of life, deep beliefs at the center of our beings, which, and it, you know, again, I've come to this conclusion after a lot of years of life and a lot of years of ministry is that I think a lot of people, when they think of God, think of God at some level as condemning and judgmental. Um, you know, we think of God and we think of other things other than overwhelming love when we think of his perspective toward us. Other things just pop to mind. Because somehow we don't think we're good enough for God. Somehow we think we haven't measured up. So for these reasons and probably a whole lot more, the, the, the apostle Paul gets on his knees and he prays to, to, to the Father in heaven and he asks that God bless the people whom he knows and who, the ones he has pastored previously so that they can grasp the reality of this, of, of this love. And I want to tell you he does so because for a lot of good reasons because this stuff makes a difference in life, the Christian life in particular. Let me make some statements to you. They're in the negative, but I'll turn them around to make them positive. How about this one? We can't trust God if we don't deeply know how much he loves us. We can't really trust God unless we deeply know, in the grasping sense, in the big beach ball sense, how much he loves us. Um, Think about it. A little knowledge of his love, golf ball size, a little knowledge of his love will likely produce a little bit of faith and trust in what he has to say and a, and a very limited desire to obey what he calls us to. I mean, if we don't, if God is not asking us to do something or, or acting in a particular way or leading us in a particular fashion out of a heart of love for me, which, of course, would always produce something that is incredibly good for me, if, but if he's not acting out of a heart of love, how eager will we be to do what he tells us to do to go where he leads us to go. We're not likely even going to be willing to trust him enough to obey him in what he calls us to, even when it comes directly from Scripture, because we haven't figured out that God really, really loves us. But my friends, the more we know the width and the length and the height and the depth of this immense love that God has for his people, the more easy it will be to simply say yes to God, because we will be confident in his love. Can I ask you, are you confident in the love of God when God calls you to act in obedience in some particular way? Are you confident of that love? 
Do you know to the core of your being that because he loves you, he's asking you to do this thing? Even though it might seem hard, even it might be not what you want. My friends, why did Jesus go to the cross? Oh, now there's a big question, right? <laughs> and there are probably a lot of answers to the question, but can I suggest to you that he went to the cross because God the Father, whom he knew loved him to the core of his being, asked him to do so? And that he had no doubt as a result in his mind that the Father had his best interests at heart. My friends, he, Jesus, trusted his Father completely because Jesus knew that his Father loved him completely. You understand that? <laughs> he knew, Christ knew, he trusted his Father completely because he knew that his Father loved him completely. The more we come to understand this immense and real love of God for us, the more we will trust him without question. And we will live in obedience before him. And we will know joy because it's what he wants for us. We will know his blessing because that's what he desires for us. So my friends, our capacity for trusting God, I would say, is dependent on our understanding of his love. Do you know it? Have you grasped it? Grasped it? And are you willing to grasp it more depending on where you're at? Number two. Number one is trusting and so forth. Number two, we will never break free from fear in our lives. And by that, I mean worry and stress and anxiety, the kind of thing that a lot of us deal with all the time, right? Who doesn't? <laughs> we will never break free from fear in our lives without grasping uh, a knowledge of God's love for us. It's not going to happen. See, if we know the love of God in the large beach ball sense, our fear literally, biblically speaking, will disappear. I don't know what your fear is. I don't know what keeps you up at night. I don't know what you worry about. But I'm pretty sure there's a lot there in your life that will tempt you to that, right? Life's not easy. Life is a challenge. Life is sometimes really very difficult. And sometimes life is particularly fearful because of our circumstance. But I want to tell you, if we can take hold of an understanding, if we can grasp the width, length, height, and depth of God's love for us, that fear will disappear no matter what the circumstance might be because we will know that no matter what the challenge no matter what the difficulty no matter what the threat in our lives we will know that god who is with me loves me and he will never leave me alone without intervening and enabling and providing everything i need in order for me to see my way through this that's a given if you know his love not even worth talking about. 23rd Psalm, an incredible, incredible Psalm, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm going to read for you verse 4 from the New Living Translation. It says this Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I love the way it puts that. It's not if I do, it's, you know, when I walk through the darkest valley, the place of fear, the place of threat, the place of danger in life. And we all have them. I will not be afraid. I love that. There's like a sense of conviction about this. There's this declaration. I'm not going to be afraid. Even then, even in the most scary times, I'm, no, I'm not, I'm not, I don't need to be afraid. Why? For you are close beside me. The living God is close beside us. He's with us. Your rod and your staff protect 
and comfort me. You know what that rod is? It's a shepherd's implement. It's just a big club. It's a weapon. And the, 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 the shepherds would use the club to literally defend the sheep against predators, those animals which sought to destroy. You know what the picture of here is the warrior god who is ready to go to battle with the enemy in order to protect the sheep. I want to tell you, if you really believe that, and if you really believe God loves you that much, that not only is he with you, but he's ready to go to battle in order to provide for you and to protect you, even in the most dangerous points in your life, you're not going to be afraid either. And any fear that you have in your life will dissipate. It'll, it'll just go away. Because there is this deep confidence, God loves me, God will not abandon me in this place, God will take care of me, he has far greater capacity than I have, I just have to sit back and relax and watch him work. No fear. First John chapter uh, 4, verse 18 says this, I love this. Such love, and... The Apostle John has been writing about this love of God in chapter 4 particularly. Such love has no fear. And don't put up your hand, but anybody live here without any fear? I wish I did. But you know, the more we grasp, the more we go from here to here to there to here. And the less fear we know. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have, listen, not fully experienced his perfect love. Anybody here not yet experienced his perfect love? Everybody should put up their hand because there's always the capacity to grasp it more profoundly and more deeply. But you know what the verse says? Because perfect love casts out how much fear? All of it. How much is left? None. Zero. You see, my friends, this, this is life-changing stuff, but we can move beyond proposition to actual experience of perfect love, which is transformative for the follower of Jesus. We will trust God implicitly. We will. <laughs> and it won't be hard to live in obedience. We will come to that place where we, where we have no more fear in our lives. And we find what the psalmist talks about in the first part of, of uh, Psalm 23. We'll be, we'll be pro- led to that place of rest in green pastures. I'm quoting the New Living Translation again. We'll be led to quiet waters that we can drink. We'll be able, we'll be able to have our souls restored. Because you can just kick back knowing that God's got it all taken care of. <laughs> I like that idea. And then the third thing I just would suggest to you. How about this one? We'll never get ourselves to a place where we get beyond our struggle with self-worth until we really have grasped the love of God for us. You know, somebody said to me a long time, you know what self-image is? He said, it's self-image is you looking at yourself. It's me looking at me. It's like me standing in front of a mirror and there's Chris, you know, and like, well, what do I think? And a lot of us, again, it's wired into human nature, look in the mirror and we don't like what we see. Sometimes it's a physical thing. Oh, my nose is too big or my, you know, my, my hands are too small. You know, whatever. Like, you probably all have your own item, hair, you know. Sometimes we look in the mirror and it's not such a physical thing. It's, 
It's, it, we look at our hearts and we see the motivation in our hearts and we don't like it. Sometimes it's our emotional well-being and we, we look in the mirror and it's not that great. And on and on it goes. We look in the mirror and we don't like it. And, and we put ourselves down and we live with self-judgment. We just don't think we're all that valuable. Just look. Just look, we say to ourselves. But when we get a hold of this love, when we come to a place where we know what God sees, how God sees us, <laughs> then everything changes. I'm telling you, it changes. Because me looking at me doesn't matter anymore because God's looking at me and he likes what he sees. He looks at me, you might not believe this, but he looks at me and he looks at you and he smiles. He goes, that's my kid. I love that one. That guy right there, I love him. And you, I love him. Her, her him and her and him. And he means it. You know, the Bible says that you, and we're going to talk more about this, you are precious to God. You have remarkable worth in his, his mind and in his heart. The Bible says that you are, if indeed you're in Christ, you're a beloved child of God. Parents think of the child-parent relationship and all that love you have. You're a child of his, beloved child of God. He says that, the Bible says that God delights in you. He delights in you. The Bible says that he finds joy in you. He looks at you and he goes, that joy bubbles up in God. My kid came to church today to hang out with me. <laughs> Anybody straight arming right now? Anybody pushing back? Anybody fighting this? It's going to happen, but don't let it happen. If nothing else, just start to soften the arm. And kind of go like this, you know, to receive the truth. Because this is not just true, it's real. This is God. And his revelation of himself for you, what is more foundational to the revelation of God in the Bible than his love? I'm not going to say for us, but for you. It's central, it's core to the message. My friends, I want to tell you, the more we come to understand how God values us and how much worth he places us, on us, even to the point of allowing his son to die for us, then all of a sudden we start to value ourselves and recognize our worth because we are worthy to him. It's profound and it's life-changing. I'm going to read Psalm 17 as we wind down verses 7 and 8. Psalm 17, 7 and 8 say this. I love this first, this first phrase, show the wonder of your great love. You who save by your right hand, think of the rod of the shepherd from Psalm 23. You who save by your right hand those who take refuge in you from their foes. People who know how much God loves them run to God when things are tough, right? They run into his arms. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Isn't that a beautiful phrase? Hide me in the shadow of your wings. You see, coming to, to an understanding of the love of God for us, my friends, invites us into a relationship of intimacy with God. It asks us to go deeper. It asks us to, it asks us to open up our minds to the reality of what this relationship actually is. Leave the verse up, if you would, for a minute, guys. Go back in your minds to Ephesians chapter 3, where Paul prays that people might grasp the love of God. You know why he prays that prayer? Because only God, by his spirit, can reveal this truth to us. 
I can't do it. You know my greatest fear in this series? And I'm going to talk, and you know, like, you know how people go, whew, just goes right in my head. I'm just afraid it's just going to go, whew, the door. Oh, I know all that stuff. I got it figured out. <laughs> yeah, I know God loves me. Let's move on. No, I'm not going to move on. We're not going to move on. But, but in the end of the day, we need the Lord of heaven and earth to move by his spirit to reveal to us that he loves us the way that he does, that we are precious to him, that he finds joy in us, that he delights in us, that he loves it. Think of the prodigal son when the son comes home. What does the dad do? He, he runs to be with his kid, and he throws his arms around him, and he kisses him, and he honors him, and he celebrates him. That is God to you and to me, believe it or not. So Paul prays that it would be revealed to us. And then we turn our attention again to this first phrase in Psalm, in verse 7. Show the wonder of your great love. Show it, God. Display it so we can see it. Communicate it. So it can change us and understand the reality. Can I ask you this? Is the love of God wonderful to you? Or is it cold, hard fact? And not much else. Do you know that you are the apple of his eye? That you're that precious to him? Do you know from Psalm 17 that, yeah, he hides you under the shadow of his wings? Do you know that? Have you encountered it? Experienced it? Felt that safety? Because of God's love for you. If you don't, I hope you will soon. And here's how I'd like us to conclude this morning. I'd like us just to have one of those moments of silence where I invite you to pray just on your own, if you wish. And I would just ask you to ask God to reveal to you the extent of his love for you. To help you to take a step from wherever you are to where you can be. Can I ask you very literally to invite the Holy Spirit to open your eyes to see the truth which we've been talking about this morning so much so that it transforms your life. Think when that happens, be pleased. I think when that happens, you will be changed. I think that when that happens, you will, you will uh, so encounter the reality of God that you will be incredibly thankful for him, incredibly thankful for his love. You'll be ready to trust him, to follow him, to obey him. You will be freed of any fear which you live with in your life. And you will know in your heart of hearts that you are a precious, precious person both to God and in this world. So let's pray together and uh, ask God to do something significant and real. Gracious God, um, your word is clear. Your desire is clear that we grasp in greater measure your love. And Lord, we just pause now and, and give people opportunity as they wish to just personally invite you to be at work and to reveal um, your love to them. And we pray in these 
weeks that uh, you'll do something really incredible, something powerful, something transformative for us all. So here is now our God as we pray.
encouragement to you today as you go is go and enjoy the love of God, will you? Bathe in it. Soak in it. Celebrate it. God bless you. See you soon.